Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is June 11th. In 1979, John Wayne, an iconic American film actor famous for starring in countless westerns, died at the age of 72 after battling cancer for more than a decade. The actor was born Marion Morrison on May 26, 1907 in Winterset, Iowa, and moved as a child to Glendale, California. A football star at Glendale High School, he attended the University of Southern California on a scholarship but dropped after two years. After finding work as a movie studio laborer, Wayne befriended director John Ford, then a rising talent. His first acting jobs were bit parts in which he was credited as, as Duke Morrison, a childhood nickname derived from the name of his beloved pet dog. Wayne's first starring role came in 1930 with The Big Trail, a film directed by Roe Walsh. It was during this time that Marion Morrison became John Wayne, when director Walsh didn't think Marion was a good name for an actor playing a tough Western hero. Despite the lead actor's new name, however, the movie flopped. Throughout the 1930s, Wayne made a dozen of mediocre westerns. In them, he played various rough-and-tumble characters and occasionally appeared as Singing Sandy, a musical cowpoke a la Roy Rogers. In 1939, Wayne finally had his breakthrough when his old friend John Ford cast him as Ringo Kidd in the Oscar-winning Stagecoach. Wayne went on to play larger-than-life heroes in dozens of movies and came to symbolize a type of rugged, strong, straight-shooting American man. John Ford directed Wayne in some of his best-known films, including Ford Apache, 1948, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, 1949, Rio Grande, 1950, The Quiet Man in 52, and The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance in 1962. Off-screen, Wayne became, came to be known for his conservative political views. He produced, directed, and starred in the Alamo, 1960, and the Green Berets in 1968, both of which reflected his patriotic, conservative leanings. In 1969, he won an Oscar for his role as a drunken, one-eyed federal marshal named Rooster Cogburn in True Grit. Wayne's last film was The Shootist, 1976, in which he played legendary gunslinger dying of cancer. The role had a particular meaning as the actor was fighting the disease in real life. During four decades of acting, Wayne, with his trademark drawl and good looks, appeared in over 250 films. He was married three times and has seven children. And in 1987, a strong earthquake rattled across 16 states from Kansas to South Carolina and parts of Canada shaking skyscrapers in a Major League Baseball stadium and setting off alarms at a nuclear plant. There were reports of minor damage and one minor injury. The tremor, centered near Lawrenceville, Illinois, 55 miles north of Evansville, Indiana, was the largest in the Midwest in nearly 20 years. It caved in a roof, broke windows, and cut telephone service in Illinois, shook patients in hospital beds in Iowa and West Virginia, and panicked students in Indiana, in an in, in Indiana classroom. The National Earthquake Information Center in Golden, Colorado said the quake occurred at 6.49 p.m. Central Daylight Time and registered 5.0 on the Richter scale. I think this will serve as a reminder that we do live in an area that can have earthquakes, said Greg Durham, a spokesman for the Illinois Emergency Service and Disaster Agency. A lot of people had their wits scared out of them. It gave me a real thrill, were some of the quotes. Reports of the quake quickly came in from Kansas, Missouri, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, 
Wisconsin, Kentucky, Tennessee, West Virginia, Virginia, Pennsylvania, North and South Carolina, as well as several cities in Ontario. It was a scary, but I must admit it gave me a real thrill, said Becky Baker, a nursing supervisor at Home Hospital Lafayette, Indiana. I didn't know what it was. I had never felt anything like that before. At Indiana Vocational Technical College in Indianapolis, several hundred students fled the five-story building screaming, according to Andy Anderson, a security guard. Kathleen Jenkins, syndication manager for WFMT-FM on the 8th floor of 3 Illinois Center in downtown Chicago, said, I definitely felt the whole building move. People are running around thinking they flipped out. Tiger Stadium got the shakes as well. At Tiger Stadium in downtown Detroit, Kirk Gibson of the Detroit Tigers was at bat against the Milwaukee Brewers when the earthquake hit. You could look at, through the glass in front across to the other side of the press box and see kind of a shaking, said a spokesman for the Tigers, Craig Shea. Don Finley, public affairs officer for the U.S. Geological Survey in Washington, said there were reports of telephone outages in Clark, Edgar, and Coles counties in Illinois. He said it was the strongest earthquake in that area since a tremor near Norris City, Illinois, registered 5.3 on the Richter scale November 9th of 1968. More than 700 miles from the center of the quake, a 12-story apartment building near the State House in Columbia, South Carolina, was evacuated briefly after residents felt the building swaying, said Joanne Mitchell Hatchell, manager of Clare Tower. People saw lamps move and things move, felt things move where they were sitting, Ms. Hatchell said. John Larson, a dispatcher with the Lawrence County Sheriff's Department, Illinois, said a young girl was injured when an upper bunk hit her on the head and her parents were moving it. She required stitches but was not hospitalized. At the Prairie Island Nuclear Power Plant in Red Wing, Minnesota, the quake triggered seismic alarms, but no damage was immediately detected, a utility company spokesman said. The Richter scale is a measure of ground motion recorded on seismographs. An increase in one point represents a tenfold increase in the magnitude of a quake. An earthquake on a five Richter scale can cause considerable damage. And finally, in the spring of 2009, in Naval influenza A, H1N1 virus emerged. It was detected first in the United States and spread quickly across the United States and the world. This new H1N1 virus contained a unique combination of influenza genes not previously identified in animals or people. This virus was designated as influenza A, H1N1, PDM09 virus. Ten years later, work continues to better understand influenza, prevent disease, and prepare for the next pandemic. The H1N1 PDM09 virus was very different from H1N1 viruses that were circulating at the time of the pandemic. Few young people had any existing immunity, as detected by antibody response to the H1N1 PDM09 virus, but nearly one-third of people over 60 had antibodies against this virus, likely from an exposure to an older H1N1 virus earlier in their lives. Since the H1N1 virus was different from circulating H1N1 viruses, vaccination with seasonal flu vaccines offered little cross-protection against the H1N1 PDM09 virus infection. While a monovalent H1N1 PDM09 vaccine was produced, it was not available in large quantities until late November after the peak of the illness during the second wave had come and gone in the United States. From April 12, 2009 to April 10, 2010, CDC estimated there were 60.8 million cases, 274,304 hospitalizations, and 12,469 deaths in the United States due to the H1N1 PDM09 virus. Disease burden of the PDM H1N1 PDM09 flu virus in 2009 to 2018. Since 2009, the H1N1 pandemic 
The virus has circulated seasonally in the United States, causing significant illnesses, hospitalizations, and deaths. Additionally, the CDC estimated that 151,700 people to 575,000 people worldwide have died from this virus infection during the first year the virus circulated. Globally, 80% of the virus-related deaths were estimated to have occurred in people younger than 65 years of age. This differs greatly from typical seasonal influenza epidemics, during which about 70% to 90% of the deaths are estimated to occur in people 65 years or older. Though the 2009 flu pandemic primarily affected children and young middle-aged adults, the impact of the H1N1 PDM09 virus on the global population during the first year was less severe than that of previous pandemics. Estimates of pandemic influenza mortality range from 0.03% of the world's population during the 1968 H3N2 pandemic to 1% to 3% of the world's population during the 1918 H1N1 pandemic. It is estimated that 0.001% to 0.007% of the world's population died of respiratory complications associated with the H1N1 PDM09 virus infection during the first 12 months the virus circulated. The United States has mounted a complex, multifaceted, and long-term response to the pandemic, summarized in the 2009 H1N1 pandemic summary highlights, April 2009 to April 2010, on August 10, 2010. The WHO declared an end to the global 2009 H1N1 influenza pandemic. However, the virus continues to circulate as seasonal flu virus and cause illness, hospitalization, and worldwide deaths every year. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening, and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com John Wayne at History.com Midwest Earthquake at NYTimes.com and the H1N1 influenza strain at cdc.gov. The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing, as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.